All cells were ultimately born from one cell. A single organism, alone on planet Earth, perhaps alone in the universe. About four billion years ago, one became two, two became four, then eight, 16, 32. The rhythm of the dividing pair. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait You Haven't Seen. It's a show where we talk about movies and specifically talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode number 232. And the movie this week is 2018's Annihilation. And here to talk with me about it, he had seen it and I had not. It's Josh Monroe. Joosh, how you doing, man? Hey, what's going on, man? I'm pretty good, pretty good. Been a while, but has it been a year? Because I think, was it was it during your... Uh, Nicholas Cage, August that I was on last last year. I think so. Yeah, it's or been about been, a year. Maybe I've been on one since. I don't remember. It's, it's been, been a, a little while. <laughs> it's been long enough that uh, <clears throat> that I felt like we had to get you back on. You know, you're one of the OGs. You were on a lot of episodes early on, um, and we started talking, and you brought up Annihilation, and I was like, "Ooh, perfect! I haven't <laughs> seen it, and it's one of those. This has this is one that has been on my list of like I keep hearing that I need to see it." And it was it was one that just like floated past me. Like I, I heard about it coming out. I saw Natalie Portman, Annihilation. I knew nothing else about it. And I didn't get out mm-hmm. to see it. And then it just sort of went out of sight, out of mind. And then I'd I'd hear about it every once in a while. I'd make, you know, lists of sci-fi movies or horror movies or somebody would bring it up. And so finally getting a chance to see it was was great. And, you know, check that off my list. Um, but what's your history with it? Did you see it, uh, you know, were you there opening night or like, what's your uh, history with Annihilation? Night. I mean, so um, I'm sure you did your research, so you'll go into some of this already uh, when we talk about it. But so I had originally seen an article about the book that the movie was based off of. And okay. I was like, that sounds interesting. And I, had, on a whim, I had like, listened to the first audiobook but i had purchased all three of them uh i got into the second book and i kind of tapped out i was like i'm okay this is not <laughs> but i, I got the gist of the first book i was like this is interesting it'll be curious to see how they go to screen with this but enough time had passed that when i saw the movie which was in theaters it wasn't i don't know if it wasn't opening day it might have been in the first week or two but okay. um it was definitely uh have an edible and go see this movie and completely (laughs) blow my mind. Um, (laughs) So I, I I really enjoyed it. The first viewing and thought, wow, this is just an experience. Um, And then have since, I don't remember if I saw it more than once in the theater. I might have, I might've Mm -hmm. seen it by myself and then taken my friend Matt to see it with me. But, um, but I've watched it over the years. It has become, like every six to nine months, you know, when the monotony of life kind of settles in and you just need to shake things off because you're feeling kind of, you know, cabin fever, closet, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, like, like, like trapped inside, whatever. Like I'd throw this on, like if I was feeling kind of moody or depressed. And when I got done with it, it would just be like, a, it would be like the etch sketch in my brain was shaking. I'm like, okay, uh, let's move on with something else. Like, I don't know. It was like a good reset <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay so, I can see that. <clears throat> 
Um, uh, just to warn everybody, real quick to warn everybody listening to this episode, we're going to spoil the hell out of the movie uh, because we're going to dive into it quite a bit. So if you haven't seen it and you don't want to know anything and you want to go into it with a first viewing like I did, pause here, go watch it. It's on Netflix. It'll be there for the rest of September. Um, And it's probably on a few other streaming services, but it's an hour and 55 minutes and it's absolutely worth it. Uh, And then come back and listen to us talk about it. But uh, all right, now continue. I would say my non-spoilery tease. This is like my, if I was going to do a video series, I would always start a video. I would always start like a review with here's my TLDR before. Like if you don't want to care about watch it, I'll give you everything you need. But if you want to watch it, this is what I'm saying. Go into it with. Uh, Yeah. It's, it's a science fiction. It has horror elements. It has intense Mm -hmm. moments. Um, There's definitely some gore. So if you're I don't, I feel like squeamish is like a diminishing word. Like, I, I don't want to say it's like, if, if you're sensitive to like blood and um, it's, it's effective, it's visceral. It's not like blood splatter all over the place. It's, I feel like everything in this movie is very, it's executed very intentionally and mm-hmm. there's just enough of everything to get you to a point. So, but that might be too much for some people. Um, yeah. But it's a, it's and, an interesting. I, I would or, say. Go ahead, go ahead. And the in the topic of gore, it's very um, grotesque imagery. Um, there is yeah. there there are like animal attacks and that kind of gore. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not gore like a slasher film type gore. I wouldn't call it right, but it's but it's very affecting and it's very visceral is the perfect word for it because it is very yeah very much that. Um, so if you are sensitive to it, that's a that's a good thing to bring up. But um, yeah, yeah. I do like that it it avoids horror movie tropes of mm-hmm. it doesn't there are very there's very little time between you get a hint of something might happen and something happens and then they don't like keep it in the shadows and hide it from you to build suspense like once something has been revealed it is on the screen and they are all dealing with it in like actual time and you're part of it with them um so it's not like jump i mean there's not so much jump scares and like this like it it's all of the all of the fear all of the wonder all of the curiosity sits with you throughout the entire movie it's not so much that you get like builds up and reliefs it just it's like kind of ever present and there's just like slight increases of intensity and then it kind of keeps mm-hmm. it, it it's worth seeing yeah it's worth seeing oh, but it may not be for much. everybody yeah, <laughs> it's it's very it's very cosmic horror uh, in its horror as- aspect. Yeah, I think, um, you know, otherworldly yeah. and we're going to dive into that quite a bit more. But it's definitely more that end than, you know, kind of traditional horror um, that you think of in movies. So that's something to think about. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, non spoiler review. I I'll just come right out and say I had a great time with this. I loved this movie. This was really well done. And. <laughs> And I've seen, I, so, so is written and direct, written for the screen and directed by Alex Garland based on a novel mm-hmm. by, um, uh, what was his name? Jeff, uh, Vandermeer. Jeff Vandermeer. I keep wanting to say and, Vanderbeek. It's not. Vanderbeek. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Vanderbeek sounds, sounds right. So I have not read the novel. Yeah, however, wrote a book. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I haven't read the novel. However, it's now uh, I have a hold on it for the for the ebook at uh, my library to check out. 
um, because I'm very interested. But Alex Garland for me is somebody that I like Ooh. his work a lot. Um, he yeah. has been a novelist and a screenwriter as far back as um, The Beach. Uh, he wrote that Ooh. novel and then uh, wrote the screenplay um, that uh, Danny Boyle directed. And, uh, and I really liked that. I've talked um, about Danny Boyle before. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, Train Spotting was the last time you were on, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. Or a T2. Was it? Yeah. Uh, we did the first one. We did the first one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like he did, he oh, wrote okay. that. Yeah, yeah. He wrote anyway. 28 Days Later was Alex Garland. Uh, mm. Wrote that one. He wrote Sunshine, uh, which I really like. Yeah, that's a great movie. Um, he uh, he we wrote the screenplay for. We've seen it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he wrote the screenplay for Dread. These Bluetooth which, earbuds, there's a slight delay. Sorry. No, no worries. Uh, Dread is a great, great one. Uh, he wrote that screenplay. Um, and then he finally got into directing uh, in 2014 with Ex Machina, which sadly is still on my list of things I need to see because I keep hearing so much about it. Oh, so I was going to say, if you have seen Ex Machina... <laughs> you have an idea of what Alex Garland can do with a script, but also Oscar's Oscar Isaac is in both. There's actually two people from Ex Machina that are in this, but uh, yeah, they're Oscar Isaac, totally different performance in this movie, but they're both, they're both good movies. Apparently Oscar Isaac was um, making the last Jedi concurrently with this movie. Like he was filming both at the same time and they were on, he basically, according to the trivia, he had a trailer that was between the two sets. And so he would just work on both <laughs> movies at the same time, which is crazy to think about, first of all. Like, because there's nothing lacking from yeah. either performance, either. Granted, this is a very understated performance, but there's not as much to, of him in it. Right. But just to do two projects like but that is kind of crazy. Hmm? Yeah, especially where he's. His character. Like I, I almost was gonna say like, oh, it's like he's playing two different people, but it's it's not. It's just that it's almost like every time we see his character on screen, we're either directly seeing him reacting to Natalie Portman or we're seeing her memories of him. So you're getting like broad snippets of his range, and then like when he's yeah. actually in the room with her, it's very toned down and very minimal, subtle, reactionary. So it's. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine you can't just jump in like, all right, I'm ready to shoot. Like, you got to get into that place. You got to. <laughs> yeah, well, and especially uh, those flashback scenes were what I loved about that. So I had a note uh, as I was taking this that was I like it was the first flashback scene to them laying in the bed together talking when she starts poking fun at him. Uh, about, oh, I stand out in the in the garden and look up at the sky. You no, know, she's just like, yeah. And. My note on that was, yeah. I like this scene as a way to really show their relationship and how good of a relationship yeah. the two of them have. And then the movie over time slowly reveals more and more that that relationship wasn't as good as they were making it yeah. seem at the beginning. Yeah. And I really love the way that that went down because it's the, it's the trope of like, I've lost my husband, you know, he disappeared, uh, and at first I'm thinking, okay, he's definitely dead. And then it's sort of, you, you get the idea. Oh no, he just, he's been gone for a year, but like mm -hmm. no official record of it. And, yeah, and she's made inquiries and hasn't heard anything. And yeah. Yeah. 
And then, you know, she's remembering him and remembering the good times that they had and all that. And I thought that was really, really cool way to do that. And I felt, okay, all right, I know where, where we're going with this. And then they start showing the flashbacks of her having the affair with her coworker. And yeah. I'm like, oh, all right. So she went to him for some comfort after her husband disappears, presumed dead. Well, then that turns out, no, oh, no, she she was going for comfort well before uh, Oscar Isaac disappeared. Um, like it's just the way that that whole dynamic was revealed was very yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. And even, so you've seen it once. So mm -hmm. when you get around to seeing it a second time, which I have a strong feeling you probably will throw it on again at some point. Cause it, it, it definitely builds on itself upon reviewings. Like notably there's right in the beginning of the movie interaction between Natalie Portman and her coworker about what are you doing this weekend? And she says, yep. Oh, I'm painting our bedroom. I'm painting the bedroom. Yeah. Which you're like, okay, you get the idea. Her husband's gone. He's been gone for a year. We're talking about it. But then you realize later on in the movie, this is the guy that she has slept with. So is she saying our bedroom or our bedroom? Like whose bedroom? Yeah. So it's, you start to like, see how, the initial viewing of it pieces one story together, but then you fill in little things here and there. And also even watching it multiple times over the years, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the timeline of some of the flashbacks and how they, how they are intended to be ordered. So there's some vague, like up to the viewer stuff there. Yeah. Which I dig. I really like that they were vague with the timelines at first. It was a little bit jarring, the first time I'm like, wait, where does this? And then I sort of fell into yeah. like, okay, so we don't know. We're not being given exact amounts of time here. Yeah. Including like, it is disorienting because, you know, we get that opening scene and then we get the shot of the comet and you're mm -hmm. led to sort of believe that like things happened right after this comet hit. Well, no, it's been there for three years. That was three years ago. Yeah. And so like little things like that, I think, you're right. There's there's ways to there's more story to piece together on on further viewings, which I like a lot. Um, mm -hmm. And I mean, Alex Garland's done that with his writing uh, in the past. This is the first directed film of his that I've seen. But his writing again, mm -hmm. The Beach, Twenty Eight Days Later, those are ones that when I watch them again, I find the story more and more. So makes perfect sense that it would happen here. Um, and but yeah, I, I really I really like Alex Garland. I want to see. I want to see Ex Machina and I want to see his one that came out this year, Men. But Men also looks super disturbing <laughs> from the from the trailer that I saw. I was like, man, I want to watch that. Yeah. But I don't know that I want to watch that by myself type of movie. Like, I just feel I like. Yeah, I haven't seen Men when it was coming out. It was right when it was like post hereditary when A24 was really like kind of going off and. So I was like, oh, Alex Garland, and I like Rory Kinnear, and then I see the trailer, and I'm like, this looks like it might be taking the premise way too far that it's setting out to. And I, I've, I've heard some mixed reviews on it, but I still haven't ventured to see it myself. I don't know. I think I had heard that there's not much there to go for other than like the experience of it. But then that's kind of like why I like watching Annihilation. I like the experience of it. So yeah, maybe it's, yeah. I have, I'm going, I'm going to see that at some point too. And I, I wouldn't mind, you know, when I get some yeah. time at some point to watch devs as well, because I know that's his series and I hear really good things about devs. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. And then also, did he do Never Let Me Go? Mm, I don't see that. That was a Carrie Mulligan movie. Son, why do I feel like... Oh, yeah. No, he wrote the screenplay for that, yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, because when I was doing a little bit of research earlier, I mean, I've seen the movie plenty, but I wanted to, like, remind myself of what was and wasn't in the book. And so I, you haven't read the book, so I'll try to avoid book stuff, you know, because you should just experience that as it is. But there's some, there's some big changes that were made to the book for the movie that some people who are really, really close to the book have issue with. I feel like the changes he made were good for making it a viewable experience and fit, this nicely um i also think i kind of it takes all the good stuff out of the book and it puts it in this easy to swallow package where everything the book kind of just goes all over the place sometimes so i've heard yeah. uh i i did read that the book they made some changes in fact i saw a couple of snippets of an interview that had alex garland and jeff vandermeer um and mm-hmm. vandermeer even saying in that interview like I didn't want somebody that was just going to take my book and make a movie out of it. I wanted somebody, I wanted something new and something that would surprise me. And I thought that was kind of a cool, like you don't hear an author usually say that they're usually very precious about their book. And here's this guy's like, no, I wanted kind of the basic bones of this and then take it and do something with it because film and, and, and print are very different mediums. And so you can't tell the story mm-hmm. the same in both places. Um, and I thought that was kind of a neat take, but, uh, but yeah, just Garland Garland's got some kind of way with him where experience is a good way to put it. He is kind of, I almost want to put him. It's, it feels wrong to say this from like a, I went to film school type perspective, <laughs> but I want to put him not necessarily in the same echelon as somebody like a uh david lynch but in that same style where he like lynch movies are an experience to watch and yeah. um i feel like that's uh, garland is in that same general direction um where yeah. he, he, really... he creates more of an atmosphere than like a visual style like a wes anderson like you when like you can you know you're in a wes anderson movie because you see what's on the screen like you yep. know you've seen an Alex Garland movie because you know where it took you, like, emotionally. Like, I think it, it, his his signature is 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 more abstract in that sense. But I, you know, it's there. You know, it's him. Yes, I think Lynch is the yeah. same way. It's a similar. Yeah. Phil Phil in the chat mentions he's a high concept filmmaker. That's that's what I was going for. Thank you, Phil. You you kind of yeah. gave me yeah. the words that I was looking for. That high concept, and I love yeah. high concept sci fi stories. I'm all mm. about like just bonkers, go for it, crazy idea sci-fi because sci-fi, sci-fi and horror for me, I think one of the reasons why they work so well in anthologies and short form is because you can really play around with these concepts, right? You can really go for something that just a horror anthology works when you've got these short stories that are impactful. But mm-hmm. you see more of those and you don't see like action anthologies because you really need kind of a, a three act structure for something like a drama or an action to really work. Horror can be a vignette. It can be shorter and yeah. it can almost work better yeah. in some cases that way. Sci-fi is very similar to that. And so I think these high concept filmmakers uh, and, and storytellers like Alex Garland, it's a great place to play 
um, and really go for these, these crazy ideas. And yeah. th- this one definitely does. <laughs> um, <laughs> because who boy, uh, and, and given the, given the subject matter of the book and the movie, like, Oh, it makes sense that he would want someone to adapt and change and build on what he made, like not just make a copy of it. Cause like that's the whole premise of the book is things not remaining the same and becoming things that they're not. And yeah. Yeah. I also <laughs> thought it was, thought it was really interesting. Garland had said he read the first book and then mm-hmm. he started working on the script. The second hadn't before, been out yet. Yeah. yeah. He start he starts working on the script before the second book comes out. And he, he even said in one interview, he didn't go back and reread the book. He wanted it kind of, the dream of reading mm-hmm. the book to be his guide. And yeah. so that was part of the reason for some of his changes in the story was that the second and third books in this trilogy of the, what is it? The Southern reach trilogy hadn't yeah. come out yet. So like he didn't have, right. he wasn't beholden to any of that as well. Um, and I, I, I think that's a very, it's a very artistic uh, way of going about it. But I think also it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's taking a big swing by taking this first, this book and saying, I'm going to do this with it. And, you know, I'm going to go in this direction and then just goes for it and gets a studio to back him. Um, Although I did like the trivia piece where uh, one of the producers, Dave Ellison, I think it was after a test screening didn't go well, he wanted them to change things. Um, He was one of the financiers from Paramount and the, no, he was, he was a financier and one of the producers I think it was Rudin mm. had final cut. That was part of his contract. And he backed Garland and was like, no, okay. we're not, we're not changing those things. Mm-hmm. So we could have, we could have had some bad studio interference <laughs> and change. And boy, oh boy, would that have been a yeah. bummer. Would have been a love conquers all Brazil situation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. If you've seen Brazil. I think you guys, did you... I did. Oh, yeah. I've done yeah. Brazil. I, I <sighs> love that movie. And yeah, and you watch the Love Conquers All cut of Brazil, and it's like it's a completely different movie. It's it just crazy. ends early, basically. Yeah, I re- I watched it, I watched Brazil again a while ago, and it was like, oh right, this is that corner that everyone else stopped at, but the movie kept going. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> but it's because of, like because of that, and because they kept going, Brazil becomes what it is. And right. Yeah, it has no not, meaning other than that. It's just yeah, kind of in a sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which you could, I mean, it easily could have happened here with, uh, you know, something could have, there could have been a Hollywood style ending to this that I think had the money yeah. people been about it, they would have done. And yeah. look, I, I understand from a business standpoint, you want it to appeal to your viewers. And this is, this is not a crowd pleaser of a movie. This is not a fan service movie. Um, it's not a tentpole movie. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, this is one of those that, I don't, I don't like using the phrase like, well, you just don't get it. But like, there are movies that, that not everybody is going to get. They're not going to latch on to. Uh, again, Lynch, Cronenberg did, does but this. They just, yeah. Or they can, they can follow it. They just don't, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything for them. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I get that yeah. too. Yeah. And, and this definitely falls into that category. I mean, this yeah. is going to be one that you're, if you like it, I feel like, if you get into this movie, you're going to really like it because it plays with some themes and some storytelling ideas. There's, 
like as I was watching it, I'm like, oh, okay, so she's dealing with the loss of her husband and kind of how does she how does she cope with that? How does she go through the grief steps? And then you find out, well, there's a little bit of that, but there's also I love the idea of um self-sabotage, self-destruction. Uh there's the line mm-hmm. from uh Dr. Ven- uh, Venters. Ventress, um, yeah. Ventress. Uh because so okay. Natalie Portman plays Lena, um, who's the biologist. The at this point. <laughs> well, we did. We it's hard did to just start right. peeling if, this onion bit. Okay, yeah. If you if you made it this far in the movie, it's too late. We're we're starting the spoilers. So Natalie Portman plays yeah. Lena. She is the the biologist. Uh, she's a doctor biology at uh, Johns Hopkins. Um, former military, which I thought was a, a nice twist too, to have her not only be like the civilian doctor, but also seven years in the army. So she is a soldier. She has some of that soldier background. Um, And then Jennifer Jason Lee is Dr. Ventress who runs, I guess is running whatever this government thing is. Um, Southern reach. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mentioned in in the movie as the Southern reach, Uh, but the, the book trilogy is the Southern reach trilogy. I guess that's something they go into much more detail in. They, in the book, they just refer it, it. There's no, visual indicator of when you have entered area X in the book. Mm. So for this, the introduction to the concept of area X is the chapter that begins area X. And then they have the chapter, the shimmer when they actually go in because they just yeah. show a physical threshold that they're a visual representation of the idea, but it, it's just translation basically. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, and Dr. Ventress. So we meet Lena and she's dealing with her husband, Oscar Isaac. Uh, Kane has been gone for a year. And mm-hmm. she's painting the bedroom one night. And suddenly he well, just she's... walks into the house. Yeah. Well, importantly, more importantly, it starts with her doing a, uh, giving a discussion, giving a, a presentation or a, mm, a right, class right. lecture on cancer and cells and, the, what what you played at the beginning two became four became eight became yeah so th- yeah th- that kind of like sets the first domino for like okay everything in this like very closely ties into the theme and it, it all like promotes the next thing that's coming down the line so it's it, I, I it would be hard to take anything out of this movie without it directly affecting the, the flow of everything but oh, I, yeah yeah the that's, cancer that's thing i think is just an important showing the the cell stuff because that's a through line throughout the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. but I mean, we're not just her... doing a scene by scene breakdown of the movie, but <laughs> no, that's a good point though. She she's teaching about cancer. Um, she's dealing with the loss of her husband, but then he just comes walking into the house while she's there out of nowhere after twelve mm-hmm. months, and her reaction yeah. is just elation, and she runs to him. And uh, I think my note was like. Well, that's probably not him based just on the way he's reacting to her because <laughs> he just get just nothing, just stone faced. Um, and they start having a conversation. He doesn't remember or won't. It's like very cagey with his uh, answers to these questions, which mirrors our first scene with her where she's being interviewed by uh, Benedict Wong, um, who yeah. I love Benedict Wong as an actor he's great and in this he's literally just there in like the tyvek suit like the hazmat suit yeah uh just asking questions that's all he does in the movie it's 
yeah. still Benedict Wong, but I just thought that was funny. I saw his name in the it's, credit. But, I saw his name and I was like, Ooh, Benedict Wong. Oh, okay. That's all he's doing. Cool. That's fine. Yeah. But it, it, it also, it's one of those things where it in the movie, like if you're, you know, lights down watching it and then like strapped in for the ride of the movie, you're just taking it as, okay, he's asking her these questions, but like from a script standpoint, you're just like, okay, what's the fastest way to get people like boots on the ground into this zone so we can start showing them weird stuff. And it's like, yep. <laughs> but we're literally it's, it's, it's very thinly veiled exposition, but it's also like, we're giving you what you need to know effectively. And then now we're off. Like, so they, they use it very well. Yeah. And typically exposition dumps bore me, but this is a, is well-framed uh, in yeah. doing it with question and response. And the fact that, She's not really answering any of his questions. So now she you're like, have Wait. answers, right? But we don't know that. And yet. even watching That's the, the best movie, part. we don't have answers. Sure. But it, yeah. it's drawing you yeah. in immediately because you're yeah. like, well, why isn't she giving him any answers? Shouldn't she, if, if this all is supposedly just happened. And so I like that. And then we get the mirror of that with her talking to Kane sitting at the table and he's given the same cagey yeah. vague answers of like, I don't know. I don't know. And goes to take the drink of the water. And when he sets his glass mm. down, you see the blood on the glass. And then it's just that completely deadpan Something response of like, yeah, <laughs> I don't feel very well. And cut to, yeah. you know, smash cut to the ambulance. And very and muted what, sound, too. It's just you're, you're mm-hmm. in that ambulance with them, even though you're seeing it driving down the street. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. very, yeah, the transitions are very good. Oh, so good. And again, this is not something that we haven't seen in a sci-fi movie before, right? So as like Mm -hmm. science fiction fans, we're sort of trained for, ooh, something happened with this guy, and now we get to find out what it is. Um, Yeah. And we sort of do, but not in the way that you're prepared for. Like, it definitely... Yeah. The the idea that they were heading for the hospital and then suddenly, you know, the black government vehicles run them off, you know, nearly run them off the road... And just like yeah. grab her out of the, the thing. Like, again, I'm sort of like, oh, okay. Something government related. Cool. I'm all for this. But then it takes a, a turn on us. And instead of diving into what happened to him, we get her meeting Dr. Ventress, psychologist. Mm-hmm. And we find out they're going on an expedition into the Shimmer. We get a little background of what the Shimmer is. That's where we learn it's been around for three years which was one I had to back up. I'm like, wait a minute. Did I hear that right? Did I hear three years? Um, and uh, then we meet uh, a couple. It had only been around two years when Kane went in because he was gone. Yeah. Here. Right. So that, yeah. Um, but that also means that there were 11 expeditions and then they waited a full year before they sent the 12th. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say uh, because again, timelines and like the way that they play with, the yeah. perception of how much time has passed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, like even at the very beginning, which re watching it for this, it's like one of the first lines in the movie and you forget about it by the end, but it's like, I, I remember her saying she was in there for days, maybe weeks. And he's like, you were gone for four months. It was like, right. Oh, <laughs> it's like, so how much of that did we not see? Cause we didn't see a lot of it either. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the way they reveal that, too, is cool, where they, they talk about the rations and how you only had rations mm-hmm. for two weeks, but you were gone for four months. Yeah. Like, what did you eat? Like, that's their first question. How did you survive yeah. for four months? Yeah. Um, 
And then we get to meet uh, a couple of women that are uh, at the facility. Uh, Josie Raddick, played by yep. Tessa Thompson. I love Tessa Thompson in everything. She's just yeah. a, a joy. And I believe this was... They had already been in a Thor... No, had they been in a Thor movie together before this? Or Natalie Portman they wasn't had, in Not Ragnarok, together, though. no. Love and Thunder, yeah. they were back together on screen, which yeah. I, I enjoyed because seeing the two of them in these drastically mm-hmm. different characters was kind of funny. But yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. When I when I watched Tessa Thompson Love and Thunder, is great, and her performance in this is so good too. Oh yeah, yeah. She had done Ragnarok before this, but when I watch, I'll watch Love and Thunder again because I'm one of the few people that actually liked that movie, and I'll love seeing the I two of them okay. like, interact. Fun. Yeah, um, but Tessa yeah. Thompson, and then uh, we meet. Um, Mm-hmm. Cash Shepard, played by Tuva Novotny. Uh, yep. And who is uh, married to Alexander Skarsgård? Oh, really? Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, that's because cool. I was like, "What else has she been in?" Because you like you you look at the billing for this movie, and I'm like, "I know the name, I know the name, I know the name." Huh? And I was like, <laughs> I, "She must have been in." And I, she's been in other stuff. She's not really an American actress, but yeah, she's mm-hmm. Alexander Skarsgård's partner. Um, and she's been in a few other things too. So, but yeah, and she cool. she does pretty good in this movie for what she does. You know, she's got the least to work with, but but at the same time, she has some very yeah. important. She has a couple of very important scenes uh, that I will that I do want to get. Yes. To. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna, team for, is, if I can, if, uh, oh, I was gonna say if I could just pin for this for just a second. So um, you were talking about other movies and shows and stuff, giving you like teases and clues of what's going to happen next and whatnot this movie again upon repeat viewings there are there is so much information that suggests what is going to take place later and supports it but it's not like blatantly thrown at your face Mm -hmm. um for example there's like a moment where lena starts like scratching her arm and she's like oh it's just a bruise and like you just move on you don't even think about it and then later on you see she's got someone else's tattoo on her arm yeah and they're like okay something happened i missed something like okay so but you go back and watch and you're like oh yeah they're not you you're not penalized for not paying attention to them but if you're looking there's so many things there that support all of it and move it for yeah so yeah continue. so before i was just yeah it's yeah, not like before i go ta- dragging you along with no information but yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, before I go too much further, the tattoo thing was amazing because I noticed it, right? I'm like, wait a minute, that <laughs> tattoo, hold on. Now, wait, yeah. she's got the tattoo. That guy's got the tattoo. What, where does the tattoo keep coming from? Like, And to the movie's credit, yeah. it's one of those situations that I love, which is it brings up something. It, it makes you ask a bunch of questions and refuses to answer any of them and just makes you like sit with yeah. it and, and formulate. And I love that. And the tattoo also yeah. shows up on Gina Rodriguez, who plays Anya. Um, who I think is, she has it originally. I think it's she hers originally. It. Well, see, that's my question yeah. because I think she had it before they went in. She had it before they crossed into the shimmer. Okay. So then, did it? Because the the um, there's another person that has it aside from uh, Natalie Portman's character, but I don't want to give away who that is yet. But there was a third arm right. I saw that tattoo on. Um, but she's Anya. She is a paramedic. Which I thought was an interesting thing. You've got like yeah. a ge- uh, geologist um, and surveyor, a postdoctorate physicist, a biologist, and a paramedic. 
Um, mm-hmm. And like, instead of being a soldier, uh, they went with, you know, civilian paramedic, I thought was kind of a, a different way to go about it. Gina Rodriguez, also amazing. She's so good in this. Yeah. Like all, yeah. all of all five of them are, are just fantastic. It's this really great group dynamic that they have going on here. Um, And you can, you can go, you can sit down to watch this movie with a specific character in mind and try to like push your perspective into that characters more than the others and track them through the entire movie and see their arc and how they grow. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's Lena, Natalie Portman's movie. She's the main character, Mm -hmm. but like you could tell the story of, you can infer some things, but like it, it, you could watch Lena's story. You could watch Shepard's story. You could watch uh, Anya's story and you, you would get all of the beats and it would track. It would make sense. So it's not just like they're there to serve Natalie Portman. They're like, they all have their own reasons for being there and they all act them out and have a conclusion. So they all do really well with them. Yeah, they really do. And Shepard, the the moments that Shepard has that really stuck with me are um, there's a moment where they're on the boat and it's just Lena Mm -hmm. and Shepard and Shepard starts telling them, telling Lena, you know, look, everybody here has some some issues. You know, Anya's a sober. She's recovered. So she's an addict. And, you know, this person has this problem. Like I lost my daughter to cancer Um, and Mm -hmm. she's basically trying to figure out why is Lena there? And it's the line of nobody would volunteer for this mission whose life is in perfect harmony. And I thought that was, that was really uh, very insightful, but also just a very cool line of like, no, that makes sense. Like nobody is with, with a nice harmonious life is getting involved in this kind of a thing. And that's an overall theme of the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, too, which is uh, this idea of, of self-destruction. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, I had started to talk about, there was a scene where Lena is talking to Dr. Ventress and she asks why her husband volunteered for a suicide mission. And Ventress comes back with like, you think this is a suicide mission? And it's that exchange between them where she starts, starts talking about how like not most people don't, don't go on a suicide mission, but they're self-destructive. We all have that in us, right? We smoke, we drink, we gamble. Yeah. We do these things that are, we, and we do these things we know are bad for us, but we do them anyway as mm-hmm. a form of like, yeah. uh, what is it? Uh, Tessa Thompson's character, Josie cuts herself and she wears long sleeves to hide mm-hmm. all the scars. And immediately again, Lena, when she's hearing about this goes to, Oh, she tried to take her own life. And Shepard's like, no, she tried to like feel something. She was, you know, she was, that was why yeah. she was cutting herself. Like, it's interesting to, to think about that. And, and when I watch it again, um, to look at Lena's character and how she always goes to that, that step first, like that's the first thing she thinks yeah. of with a lot of these people. And it's, it's usually not the case. Yeah. Well, I mean, and all of those are things that, I mean, if you, if you break it down, first of all, like, we have no reason to not believe Shepard. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying I don't believe her, but I like that with Anya and with um, Raddick, with Josie, uh, Tessa Thompson's character, she's pointing us in a direction, giving us a little bit of information about them, but not 
setting down on one side or other of what actually happened. So she's like, oh, well, she's sober, so she must be an addict. Like, Josie has scars in her arms. Do you think this is what happened? I Honestly, I think it's the opposite. And it's like, so we don't know. We just know that she has done something for one purpose or another to herself. Yeah. And then, I, and I think Anya's the same thing. She's She has, she drinks and if or has drug problems or whatever if 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 she has them which the movie mm-hmm. suggests but doesn't confirm but also she's in a she's a paramedic so like she's in the she's in the business of saving people and she sees right. a lot of crazy stuff so i would imagine you might want to drink after that and maybe yeah so but yeah like all of them have like a a thing that they're searching an unanswerable question that they're searching for and they're not finding it outside of it so this is kind of a last ditch effort for most of them so it's not a it's not a suicide thing it's more of if i'm finding an answer this is where it'll be like ventress in particular like i have to know what's in the lighthouse that's basically what they come yeah for her and and i like too that shepherd brings all this up and there's never a moral judgment about anybody made either she's just like Mm -hmm. these are the facts this is what's going on you know i'm here because and shepherd had lost her daughter to leukemia and it was it was the tragedy and the trauma of that and going through that kind of a loss, but also, you know, just everything involved in it. She, she kind of had that question of like, well, what do I do now? What, what, what is my, you know, do I have a purpose anymore? Yeah. Kind of thing. And so she's searching for that here as well. So yeah, yeah. everybody's. I can't remember. This thing. She, she mentioned, I can't remember the specific wording, but she, she mentions that, her and her husband aren't together anymore as, as a mm-hmm. result of her child yeah. dying as well. Yeah. So it's like, she wasn't the, she wasn't her anymore. So she's something else, which again, that's another thing is I think all of us have that moment as we grow up where we, we realize that the life we're living now is not our experience that we had before when we were younger or, you know, when we were in our twenties or whatever. So like you're con- as you grow up, you constantly have these moments of, am I who I was or am I something else? And if I am, what does that, you know, so that it gets into a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And the theme, the, the themes of self-destruction and change and Mm -hmm. the fact that uh, like change is happening, but change is happening because change happens. And we'll kind of, we'll we'll save a little bit of that for like discussing the very end of the movie, but it was interesting. (laughs) It, it, we haven't it was even really, gotten an hour into the movie. <laughs> I know that's the best part, uh, but it's like it's interesting the way they they talk about change uh, in this because like it's something that I think about quite a bit is sort of like changing, evolving, mutations. Yeah. The way that the way that we change throughout our lives, and I also you know there's there's a little bit of that like self destruction, but also just tearing something down to build it back up type of an idea that can yeah. get misinterpreted yeah. sometimes. And like, there's a, there's a way to do something uh, that has a self-destructive nature to it without being self-destructive, if that makes sense. And I feel like this movie sort yeah, of well, yeah. wanted to explore a little bit of that. Yeah, I mean, it's like wildfires and like regrowth and like it's part of the cycle. It's part of like, Mm -hmm. if that didn't happen, then the regrowth wouldn't be what it, it, you know. Um, Also, I feel like it's all. I think some of it gets also into 
the more we try to hold on to what we've known, the harder it becomes for us to navigate in the ever changing world around us. So yeah. it's like, you kind of have to like adapt or get overrun in a sense too. So, which I feel like that was like the threat of the shimmer or area X in general was just like, this is just going to happen. And, and like she says to Wong, it's like, what did it want? Like, I don't know that it wanted anything. It's like, mm -hmm. it just was there. It was just, yeah. you're in this place and you can't control it and it's affecting you. <laughs> so could be a metaphor yeah, and, for a lot of things. <laughs> and it, it seemed to affect each of the five characters that were in there in a different way. And like Shepard, so Shepard ends up being the first one to, so actually the first thing that happens, they come upon, so the, they go inside the shimmer. Uh -huh. And then we smash cut to after, or not smash cut, but we go through a, a short dream sequence. And then uh, Lena wakes up in her tent, disoriented, comes outside. Uh -huh. First of all, the backgrounds in that first time they're inside the shimmer are just gorgeous. And it's this yeah. rainforesty, jungle looking thing. And oh, yeah. And she's all disoriented. Yeah. Visually, and they're counting. It's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then they find out they've been in there for like days already. Yeah, and based on what the, what has been taken out of their rations. Yes. So they figure so. they've been in there for days, but they like they don't even remember setting up the camp that they're in, and mm -hmm. this is going on. So they 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 have no radios, compasses don't work. They got to sort out what's going on and make their way. Yeah. And uh, it's supposed to be a swampy area too, which at first I'm like, oh, this ain't swamp at all, and then it slowly got to yeah, that. Um, yeah. What I really like about that scene when they come, to, when when they wake up, I mean, Natalie Portman's our main character. We wake up with her, obviously, um, yep. but she comes out. Her tent is off in a separate area from everybody else's, so she comes out and she's on her own at first. She yep. walks up, she sees um, Anya and Shepard together going through the rations. Josie's off checking the gear and the equipment, which again, you don't you don't know if these people if they just woke up. 10 minutes ago or if they've been awake for a while but you right. see like the rest of the team then you see ventress wearing like a rain like hoodie uh or poncho poncho yeah <laughs> <laughs> i almost said parka i was like that's not the right word um yeah she's like wearing a rain parka or pa poncho and she's just standing there like observing and listening and taking it in and it's not until the others talk amongst themselves, have their questions, talk their questions out, resolve it, get their bearings, literally. Shepard's like, you know this, Josie. And then, oh, here's the sun and split the difference. That's south. And then Ventress, okay, back on mission. So it's like, she's just yeah. been waiting for them to like, <laughs> okay, we can keep moving now. <laughs> yeah. They all have, they all have their type of character, their character type, and they all play their role it's almost like that Mickey Donald goofy dynamic where it's like, if you just stick to these dynamics and put them in a situation, you can have them interact and it will be interesting. And they, yeah. this dynamic of the three, almost, I, I want to the the four, the five, but almost four character roles, because as I've watched this, I'm like, okay, well, clearly Josie, I feel like there's a, there's a certain point where you can accept the shimmer or what is happening. And mm -hmm. the more you fight it, the longer you hold out, which kind of explains why Lena can make it to the lighthouse 
whereas everyone else doesn't. Um, and I feel like Shepard and Anya kind of have a mother daughter ish relationship going on because There's I feel like Shepard oversees everybody in a maternal capacity and Anya's she's the paramedic that may have substance issues. She's the first one to get excited about things. She's the first one to speak out about like, I don't think we should do, you know, so she's got like more of a youthful, like not arrogance, but just like she, she's just going to speak her mind. She's going to say the things Mm -hmm. and, and you really see the impact it has on her when Shepard is gone because she starts to really start spin out of control. So it's, it's, it's funny to see like the dynamics of everybody and like, Oh, they're doing their job and they're asking the questions they're there to ask but it supports everybody else. And then once they're all together, Rentress is like, pack up, move on, let's go. <laughs> so. Yeah. She's very much the, yeah. the commander of the, the trip and like keep everything on mission because she has, she yeah. is singularly focused on getting to that lighthouse. That's her only reason for going in there. That's all she cares about is getting that lighthouse. Um, I hadn't yeah. really thought about it, but you're right. Like Shepard is the mom of the group and it makes sense that she's the one character we know had a child lost that child mm. and is like unsure of who she is anymore in part because of the loss of that child but she's like subtly mothering everyone else Anya being and I also thinking about it now like Anya's the one that when they're all sitting together it's like I'm gonna go over and try to make friends and like goes over to talk to oh Anya right Portman. yeah yeah yeah. it's yeah. Anya that that initiates that and brings her back over and it's like so yeah that childlike exuberance uh of everything mm-hmm. is, is really interesting and then they come upon that house that's like half sinking into the the swamp yes, um, and yep. start checking that, that house, out not and, the other house. <laughs> yeah. And they start checking it out and the, like uh, immediately Lena goes towards the flowers and is looking at all these flowers mm-hmm. and that that's our first sign of like, okay, this is a, a weird place beyond just like what they've seen so far in that it's all these different, what look like different species of flowers on the same root system. And this is one of the few times where they did a, like a legit kind of jump scare, but it's super effective when Josie goes into the house, she looks around and comes out to say something. Oh, go ahead. Well, when she's walking in, well, well, when she's walking in, it's, it's funny because I know you've been playing Baldur's Gate three. I've been playing Baldur's Gate three. It's almost funny because it's like if Natalie Portman is the, the main character and the others are members of her party, who are just going to comment things that are relative to their class and their background. It's like you walk up and Natalie Portman's like, Hey, wait a minute, this shouldn't be happening. And then Josie's like, Oh, it looks like a wedding. And it's like, like everyone's having their yeah. own little like experience with it. But I like that J- Josie follows the path of flowers. Like, this is so pretty. It's so nice. And like, continue with where you were going. I just, yeah. I think the contrast of where it goes. Yeah. And so she walks about, in like, the lighting and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when she comes out and she's standing in the doorway and they're like, is there anything in there? She goes, no, there's nothing in here. And she barely gets that sentence out and is just yanked back into the building. And that's the first time yeah. we ever have any, and we don't see it. And it's, it's a real quick little kind of mini action sequence where to their credit, like they go right after, you know, Natalie Portman, everybody except Ventress. Ventress stands there watching again, like you were talking about where they were, when they woke she's up observing, and she's observing everything. She's just standing there watching it while the rest of them all get her and, and get the pack. And we still don't see what's attacking her. So it's just, it's unseen force and they yeah. get her out and calming her down. Anya goes 
right into paramedic mode and starts calming her down. And then they hear this mm-hmm. huge slamming sound and we see the house bust open and it's a freaking albino alligator that just comes out of <laughs> that thing. One. Huge yeah. alligator. Um, well, that's what I love about That's what I was talking about. It doesn't lead you on with things like you see her standing in the doorway. She gets pulled in. Then you see inside it's partially flooded. You never see anything except for the, the women in the building. And then they're way off back on the shore and on a distance you see it slowly saunter out lop into the water and then it's like this is the thing you're afraid of it's coming it's like (laughs) but it's like it doesn't do it it doesn't lean into the horror tropes for the scare like it doesn't need to it is no scary enough well displayed in daylight you know it's it is yeah so and then when they finally take very well done yeah yeah and when they finally kill it then it's our first glimpse at a weird animal because they pry and I love the shot where they pry the mouth open. Um, but yeah. they're looking because we got one image of it where it was coming straight at Lena and she's firing the gun at it and it's mouth mm-hmm. wide open and you're seeing all the extra teeth. And I was like, Oh, that's icky. Like too many yeah. teeth, too many teeth in that mouth. I think my main thought was like, where is the actual throat? Cause it just looked <laughs> solid inside. I was like, where is it? it where is the, how, what? <laughs> it's like, something's weird with this. Yeah. And so they're examining it and they start talking about like this, the rows of teeth and they're like, well, sharks have teeth like that. It's like, yeah, you can't crossbreed alligators and sharks. Yeah. Yeah. You can't crossbreed the species like that. And so they continue on and they find a uh, military installation, right? That's the Southern reach is where they go next. I think. Is that the first place they found? That was the original headquarters before. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not till later that they get to the other house because they're at that base camp. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Because they go in there. That's where the pool is. That's where the tower oh, yeah. was. Yep. They're all yeah, together so they... until the end of that location. <laughs> oh, and at this point, the only one that knows about Lena's background with her husband being on a mission into the Shimmer is Ventress. Lena specifically yes. did not tell the other three about her husband being on a mission into the Shimmer. So when they get to that southern yeah, reach, looking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I say they even made a point of like, why well, I, I, she has a, I think she has a moment with Ventress. There's a lot of moments where they answer questions with a question, mm-hmm. and so as to not give you an answer, but suggest like, a, especially with Ventress and Lena early on, it's a lot of like, oh, why are you going in? It's like, well, what do you have to do? It's like, well, it's you yeah. know, back and forth. But they, they quickly in the flash but in the flash forward with wong like so you lied to them and it's like like okay so it's he's giving us what we need to know to understand the decision she's making in the moment and then as you see mm-hmm. it play out later on like it reinforces her truth later in the movie that she tells him that she, she didn't want to complicate yeah so it yeah if you put it in chronological order i think it makes it, it still all makes sense but it it's very more it's much more interesting in the way it's de- delivered yeah mm-hmm. But when they get there, they find evidence that there's <coughs> a team in there, and it was it was her husband's team, Kane's team. Um, yes. And they With left. The last expedition. There was, yeah. Yeah. They were doing you know guard rotation, whatever. But they find a memory card that the that was left for them. It says for the the ones that come after, or something like that, for the for the next ones to show. For those up. who follow. Yeah. Yeah. And so they look at the video of it, and that video, they're all huddled around a little <laughs> handy cam watching this video and it starts off with Oscar Isaac looking, looking at the camera and uh, like he hasn't slept in about a month. 
um, and he's mm. got a knife. And it's this scene where he's got one of the other men in his unit. They've got him like held down in a chair, and they cut open his stomach and peel it he's back. In the, and you they're see, they're in the pool. Yeah, they're in the but pool. You see, he's up against the wall of the pool. Yeah, and but they 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 cut him open, oh, and then you see right. his intestines, his insides are moving like these big worm. It's just weird worm looking thing inside of like like this window into his stomach and like of course it's just like passing through is passing in front of him yeah <laughs> yeah and and it's just this this strange little video and of course all five women that are watching it are just like i, I don't want to watch any more of that uh there's a quick yeah. glance between lena and ventress but later like shortly after that they're they go into the pool and they look and there's this thing all over the wall and it is it is an image that will not leave me for a while. Um, and it's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the images that we had talked about earlier on of like that grotesqueness. Um, and, and it couples with the, yeah. the video of them cutting the guy's stomach, but we see they walk in and there's just this Lovecraftian fungus all over the pool wall. Um, and, and like immediately I'm like, Ooh, wait a minute. That's, that was from the video because you see like the, the legs of the guy and it's the pool wall. So you're noticing the background and it's just this grotesque mutation all over the wall and up towards the top of it, you see like part of his torso and like a, a skull and it's just, yeah, whatever it was just kept mutating and kind of became this weird thing. And it's like, it leaves you with a lot of questions. It's funny you say that because go ahead. The movie has a lot of not direct similarities, but as especially as I've watched it more and more, I'm like there are a lot of elements of this that are very similar to John Carpenter's The Thing. <laughs> There's and then so you see these moments and you're like, oh yeah, this kind of looks like the the thing they dug up out of the ice with like the head all contorted. Yeah, there's there's similarities visually to yeah. certain things. Uh, so they find that, and of course that freaks them all out, and they. Uh, immediately they want to leave. Yeah. Um, and, but Ventress is like, no, we're going to keep going forward. And they, they stake out that night. They stay that night at the, at the facility. Um, and La Lena gets up in the middle of the night cause she can't sleep. And she, there's this repeating mm. motif of her looking through a microscope and watching a cell divide. And one of the cells has the shimmer and the other one doesn't. Um, and, well, it's they all have been shimmer. It, they're all in the shimmer. It's just as they split, they become something else. Yeah. it's it's each one that splits becomes. I guess a that's new probably thing, more basically. accurate. So, um, and she goes to talk to Ventress. They visually represent it with like different mm -hmm. colors, but yeah. So she goes to talk to Ventress, who's like, "Hey, you're you're not supposed to relieve me for another few hours." She's like, "Can't sleep." Blah blah blah. We get the attack at this point. You hear something off in the distance, and they're looking for it. Uh, and you don't see it at first at all. Um, I do like the, it, it tore through the fence, like a zipper, which I thought was pretty great. Um, yeah. Which you see it before she says that and you're like, that's yeah, accurate. Yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's it what it looks like. <laughs> Something blew right through uh, there. Yeah. And the shepherd comes up asking what's going on. And before there really can be an answer or anything, she's attacked by something big, uh, a bear. Is what it looks like. Yeah. Right. All you see is kind of a big shape. 
And Shepard was the tallest of I them, think so. I think. And this thing came down from mm-hmm. above. Like it, it was in front of her, but it like attacked yeah. her from above. So it was like And drags her off. This was big. Okay. So now yeah, yeah screaming. screaming. So now they're looking for her. They're trying to find her. They can't. And then we cut to like the next morning and they go looking some more. And Lena especially is like, I'm gonna go, I wanna go looking for her. Well, they make the decision. Ventress wants to pack up and move on. Anya thinks we should. They should just. Oh leave. yeah, and go back. And Josie isn't sure. So you start to get this post Shepherd sides and division situation because without Shepherd there, Anya's kind of kind of reeling and like, well, Lena seems cool, but Lena seems to be with Ventress, so I don't know if I can trust Lena. So that really starts to like split the two of them apart a little bit and lena's like okay no but it makes sense that we go this way which again wong you know she's talking to wong later and it's like bd wong i just want to keep calling him wong because it's the last name he also plays wong in marvel i know but still uh not bd wong benedict wong bd wong different wong (laughs) trying not to miss yes yeah that's jurassic park anyway um but yeah again just very quickly like so you lied to them so it's like even if we believed what she was saying when she told anya we know that that's not really like she had her vision she was doing so yeah um and in a sense it's kind of similar to like cheating on someone like i'm gonna keep doing this thing even though i know it's going to hurt people around me but that's the thing i'm i don't know well and i I can fragment this down and find little meanings and all sorts of stuff but it's (laughs) it's one of those it's a very subtle thing that is her character that is her in lena's character to do that so whether it's her husband or these women that she's in this mission with. Um, but they make the decision to uh, to keep going forward. Um, Lena convinces the two of them, look, that's that's going to be the yeah. best course of action. Uh, but she goes to look for Shepard's body and finds it. She, she ends up finding Shepard's body all torn up, mm-hmm. throat torn out. Um, she's dead. They, she comes back. Now, yes. Lena's the only one that sees her body. Her face was oddly clean. Yeah. I always think it was weird that her face is oddly clean. Like there's a light on it almost. And it's like, but like everything else has been like torn yeah. out. Um, now Lena <laughs> is the only one to see the body. So um, they continue on. And then that night, uh, Lena wakes up to Anya um, confronting her gun pointed at her uh, and gets gets cold cocked and then wakes up tied to a chair with, you know, uh, Josie on one side and Ventress on the other. They're all tied to the chair and Anya's yeah. got them and she's, she's losing it. Isn't it, is an important, there's an important little thing in between there though. When they first get to that, um, when they first get to that compound and they see like the, the oh, flower yes, the plant people structures that look like mm-hmm. people, um and then they start to so then they start lena starts to get the understanding and idea of what's going on here is that like everything is changing josie comes in and says like if you check this you're gonna find like these elements of dna or whatever that indicate some other you're gonna find human whatever they are yeah i can't remember what they're called but um there's it it sets up the idea of like okay everything here may not be what it was once or what it should be. And, um, but then also before Lena wakes up to Anya, she does her own little blood test Mm -hmm. again. 
I think it's like the third one she does in the movie. And that's when she like basically confirms she's like, oh yeah, this is basically happening to all of us in real time. There's nothing we can do. It's just happening. Um, and she starts to kind of like cry and break down. And then it cuts to her being asleep. So I'm like, I guess she fell back asleep. But it showed Anya earlier looking at her palm. And they do this, they, it's, it's very... They act. They very clearly move things on mm-hmm. the screen. They do the same thing with the like moss and fungal growth in the pool. They do it with a few other things in the movie where you're looking at it, and it's almost like you think you see yes. it moving because you're looking at it so long. But it's it it was moving, but it's like it cuts away, and you're like, wait, did I just see what I thought I just saw? And it was like you did, but it was so. And so Anya sees that in her hand, and that's when she starts like, I got to do something about this. And that was right when Lena was looking at her cells yeah. again. And so at this point, they've all accepted, like, we, we're, we're screwed. We're just like, this is a, this has done more to us yep. than, yeah. Yeah. And so Anya has her breakdown, ties them all to the chair. She's, she's doing her thing <coughs> when suddenly while, while that's going on and she's threatening everybody, uh, they hear Shepard call for help. Now this, this is the hor- like very much the horror elements of this movie. Uh, get wrapped up into this scene. And I'll tell you what, as far as movie monsters go, this is one of the more creepy freaking movie monsters I've seen in a while. Uh, And it's just a bear, but it's a mutated bear that isn't a bear, but it's so well done. But you hear, so you hear Shepard's voice. Anya runs off to, to find Shepard. And all you hear is like this loud thumping sound. And then that bear creature comes walking up and it's got like the skull partially exposed and a little bit deformed. Yeah. I think it's blinded too, because I don't think it can see. I think it is relying on hearing. Yeah. And they're all, they're still tied to chairs. They're trying like they're, they're slowly getting their gags out and everything like that. But the bear, instead of growling like a bear is vocalizing with shepherd's voice. And that is unsettling as all hell to hear help me coming out of that damn bear yeah yeah it's like if you watch the i mean even i guess i was gonna say if you but even being a person who has like studied filmmaking and like when you see how they created the sounds of like the transformers or the dinosaurs in jurassic park and it's like oh we took a tiger and the sound of my kids swing hitting the (laughs) fence or it's like i don't know but it's like you i can see how they built it but to like to just to very simply like take a scream of a woman and just slide it into the audio track of a bear growling and just like weave it into it. It's like, yeah, it's like, no, it's, <laughs> it's, like it's very so <laughs> like it's one thing to do sound design and take the sounds of like several different animals and modulate them and mix them up and create a new sort of sound. But there's something about hearing like a human vocalization coming out of a creature that looks like that that is mm-hmm. so unnerving and unsettling and it's it's yeah. perfect it's like pitch perfect for what this movie is going for because you now it's just another they're they're adding another layer onto all of the atmosphere that's been going on in this movie building up and it's just like the bear is doing its thing they end up they end up shooting the bear and killing it and get out of there but now Josie kills the bear Josie kills the bear that's true Yes. So that's that's another thing I find interesting. Early on with the alligator, Anya 
shoots at it a few times and then has a misfire. So then Natalie Portman comes in and gets the alligator's attention and soldier profile. They do directly down the barrel into the camera. (laughs) Very effective. Um, So it's like, okay, she knows how to kill things. She takes care of the alligator. She's tied up as are Jennifer Jason Lee and Tessa Thompson, but the bear is like attacking her and Tessa Thompson is the one that picks the rifle up and kills the bear, which she hasn't shown any aggressive anything this entire movie really. Um, And it's very quickly after that, that her character arc kind of concludes. So it's, it's kind of like she found her moment and then like accepted things. And And so the, the bear had killed Anya and, and messed, messed up Anya. So Anya's mm-hmm. dead, uh, and Ventress gets out of that, and is like, "That's it, I'm going." Oh yeah, the bear like ripped her yeah. throat out. Yeah. And so then Ventress is like, "We're going now." You know, in the middle of the night, she didn't care. She, she's heading yeah. on, um, and uh, we can't guarantee that we'll be who we are if when we get there. If we don't leave now, it's yeah. basically like we're changing, we're becoming other things. And yeah. then we get that nice moment where, as you said, uh, uh, Josie Raddick gets her, um, her character arc kind of comes to completion where she's sitting there and Lena comes over, sits down next to her. She's been in jacket and long sleeves the entire mm-hmm. movie. She's been the most bundled up person the entire movie. And it cuts to daylight and she's outside in like, like the shortest sleeved shirt. Yeah just completely exposed to the elements basically. And you see all of her scars and you see every, it was like, Oh, okay. This is her. This is actually the first time we've really seen her. And Lena comes over, sits down next to her. They start talking and it's very subtle. You see her arms and all the scars. And then there's just a little bit of color here and there. And then slowly that color starts to grow a little bit more. And I love that, that moment because Josie says, you know, look, Ventress wants, to know what it is you want to fight it fight it oh right and she's basically accepting what's going on and accepting the change that's coming and just gets up and walks away and lena starts to follow her and she just keeps walking away and as she's walking away there's more and more plant life growing out of her and kind of turns a corner and lena comes around the corner Mm -hmm. and she's gone and we have to assume she turned into one of those like human shaped plants basically there's multiple it's like she turned a corner into like a park and instead of seeing people playing they were all just yeah plants sculptures in people forms so like one of them is undoubtedly josie Mm -hmm. i assume but it's like you don't know which one it is yeah but it's it's her um i also i really i think probably my singular favorite line delivery in the movie is Tessa Thompson when she's talking to Natalie Portman in that moment and Natalie Portman says like it's in me and then Tessa Thompson like confirming but also like in a sense of relief just very like casually like it will be in all of us Mm -hmm. like like this is a truth it's not like I'm making an argument like this is just I like she's saying it with such a sound of like this is a resolve of like this it we yeah. all have it. This is yeah, <laughs> but I just love that delivery. It's so like, well, and yeah. it's it's really good because also the music in this movie to cut to the bear scene. Mm-hmm. There's no music in that scene, and the same with the alligator. The music is not there to amp mm-hmm. things up. It becomes a very prominent thing in the third act, 
but that's because there's hardly any dialogue at that point. So the, the audio yeah. and stuff. Um, but I love that it's like, you don't need it to make the scene more. You don't need to add the spice and the sauce to it. It's got enough flavor mm-hmm. on its own. You just serve it and as is. You know, Radic, so, continue, Radic was the character <laughs> who kind of figured out what sort of what was going on inside the shimmer, inside the perimeter of like, it's like a prism and it's refracting. Yeah. The refraction. It's refracting light. It's refracting sound and DNA. And that DNA refraction is causing all these mutations. Yeah. And she figures that out. And then she's just accepting of it. She's like, well, this is happening now. And we're inside this. And nothing is going to change what that is. And I don't want to fight it. And I just really liked how, right. you know, you had uh, you had the the shepherd who was the mom who wanted to be protective of everybody and she's the first one to go and anya as the addict and as the one that was really connected to shepherd losing you know mentally losing it while inside of here before she she lost yeah. her nerve and her mind before her body started changing and ends up dead because of it so she hadn't really she had she had started a little bit of something going on but before any of that could take her she's yeah. killed and then you have Radic, who, and it suggested that she didn't really have the coping skills to deal with things before mm-hmm. she got there. So being in there without access to any of that, like, yeah, I mean, it would have been very. I think a lesser director would have like had a moment where she pulls a drawer open and sees a bottle and takes a swig of it or something. But then it's like we, you don't need that no. for this movie. Like we don't, we don't need to like really shine a light on what it could have. Yeah, so. It, but I also, if it had been any other character that had been taken earlier that the bear killed, like if it had been Ventress or Lena or Josie that was screaming through the bear's mouth, would Anya have reacted the same way? But because it mm-hmm. was Shepard, some of it is stuff I'm tapping into now, but it's, yeah, yeah. I, I, there, there's a lot, there's a whole thing I have on Lena, on Anya with she gets so excited about the boat and motor transportation. And when they get to that house, she sees a plastic chair and table and she immediately runs over and sits down. And I'm thinking like in this whole area where there's all this organic stuff that's constantly changing and mutating and evolving and growing, she finds the one plastic yeah. thing that she can hang on to because it is not going to change. I was like, oh, that's a very subtle representation. But like she she beams when she sees a plastic yeah. table and chair. I, Maybe she just wanted to sit down. <laughs> Maybe there's more to it. But I thought that's a very subtle, like, that makes sense for her, too. Like, I need something to help me get through this. Something not man-made. Well, and also, <laughs> like, at the beginning of the movie, um, Wong's character asks Lena, you know, what happened to to uh, Dr. Raddick? And she's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But then when he asks yeah. about Shepard. Literally yeah, does not know. She's like, I don't know. But, but with Shepard and Anya, she knows they died. Yeah. And and he asks together. He asks mm-hmm. them together. Which I also noticed was like, okay. And then he gets to Ventress, which again, yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> you and, don't know what happens to Ventress. So at this point, Ventress is kinda is already gone and Lena decides to follow. And we get just and this is where Act Three comes in. And you're right, there's very little dialogue left in the movie. Yeah. It's so visual. It's just Lena on her own, basically. And, like that visual <laughs> of her walking down the beach with those crystal trees is Mm. amazing. And she finds the lighthouse and she gets there. And then an already weird movie decides 
to turn it up to like a 12 on the weird <laughs> scale because she walks into the lighthouse and there's yep. more of that like growth, but it's all there's growth on the walls, but it's the same color as the walls. Like, it's not like what we've seen before, which was all multicolored and everything. It's all like the same thing. Yeah. And there's a, this, there's a, uh, a, a skeleton like sitting next to the wall that's been burned and a hole like a giant blast yeah. scar- like burn yeah. behind it oh. yeah which also some of that growth is over the burn which makes me wonder if either that could not burn from the regular phosphorus or if it grew later because it does burn later yeah and huh. but i, I didn't I, notice I that but you're right i um when yeah because when when well when when you see what happens to Kane. <laughs> Like the fire doesn't hit that. Like it's still there. It's still mm-hmm. clear. But yeah. So there's yeah. So there's the burn mark, and then there's a giant <laughs> this... hole where at the beginning of the movie you saw this like object shoot into the yeah. lighthouse, and then it starts the movie. So now you're seeing what took place from that yep. point now. And then uh, a video camera mm-hmm. pointed at the at the corpse against the wall, yes. and so she goes over and turns the video camera yeah, because on. before we go down that hole, we have to get more information. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we need a little bit more. And she watches the video and the video on the like, camera. Don't worry about that just yet. Let's watch this. <laughs> yeah. And then the video on the camera is um, it's Kane and he's all disheveled and he's, he's rambling a little bit and he's not quite sure what's going on. And he's talking to somebody behind the camera. Um, and at one point he has the great line of like, well, I don't really know if I'm even me anymore. Are you me? Am I you? Like, What's going on? Are you? Yeah. And he pulls out a phosphorus grenade and. Well, and he starts. Yeah. Well, no, I was gonna say that that scene when it starts, it it starts like he's stepping back. So like he set the camera, he started Mm -hmm. it and he's walking back. And then. So you he's looking at the camera. So you assume like he's talking to whoever he's recording. Yeah, this that's for. true. So you don't know that there's another entity. So he's just like, I used to think I was a man. Now I'm not sure. Am I me or you, me, whatever. And then it's like his gaze like shifts just off to the side and he's, you realize he's talking to another mm-hmm. person and then pulls the grenade, kills himself. And then the other person that comes into frame is Kane. It's the the version of Kane that, and he yeah. tells he tells it at, at the very end, right before he pulls the grenade. He says, "If you get out of here, find Lena." And yeah. then he pulls the grenade. It blows, yeah. up, you know, it it blows up and and burns him. And then we see the other Kane step around, look back at the camera, and that's where Lena, like, she has a breakdown there, freaks out, and mm. ends up going over by the hole. And I like this because my note on that was like, uh, uh-uh, nope, not I. She no hears, matter what's gone on, she hears noises down yeah. there. And but it's like no matter what, yeah. with everything else that's happened in this movie to this woman, the last thing, <laughs> if I were her, that I would be doing is going into the dark hole. Um, but I am not Lena, so yeah. she. I also kind of feel like after everything she's gone through at this point, you would be just like, nope, I'm out. I'm gonna turn around, and walk. Like you're this far in. You're I mean, not gonna yes, make it that's, back. you may as well just push. You're you're, you're not wrong there. Like <laughs> it's what, what do you have to lose? But she goes. <laughs> She but goes still, down into that hole. You have to fight an impulse to like yeah. go down there. Yeah. And it's this long tunnel and she gets to the bottom of it. And it's this, it opens up into a chamber. That's kind of 
Yes. Giger-esque. Giger-esque is the perfect way to put it. And Ventress is in there. And this is, <laughs> this was such an, uh, a strange thing because Ventress is facing away and we can just barely mm-hmm. see her, but her face, she has like no, like there's just skin over where her eyes should be. But it was, but, but yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent sure that's what I was seeing. It was kind of like what you talked about earlier with like the, is yeah. that moving or not? And it was, I kept looking at yeah. it like, is, does she not have eyes? What's going on? You know, has she started mutating? But then when she turns around to look at Lena, she's back to looking just like Ventress. Yeah. And uh, yeah. they have a talk. Uh, there's some, some very esoteric dialogue here before she basically turns into light and like vomits up a whole bunch of light, I guess would be the way to put it. But like it shoots out of her and saw these particles in the room and it's very like visually yeah. it's very stunning. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And again, the music and the score, that's when it really starts yes. to kick in. Um, it, and I, I don't know the intent of the entity. I don't know, like, again, she doesn't know if it had a want or desire mm-hmm. or whatever, but um, Ventress talks about how she wanted to understand it and she wanted to, like, know. So, like, she basically felt that she could only gain by learning more yep. about it, even if it was bad. Like, she just wanted to know more. She wanted an answer. Um and so I think she more quickly embraced it and took it into herself. Yeah. Whereas what happened with Kane and what happens with Lena afterwards is less they take it on and it takes them on. So I think Ventress provided an opportunity for it to be like, oh, hey, maybe you can just join with me. But she talks about how it wants to break us down to our lowest base yeah. molecules. and. Because that's basically where it's doing all of this like mutation mm-hmm. anyway. So it's it's there's I don't know if you've watched the expanse, there's a moment in a later season where basically a very similar thing happens to his spaceship. And it's just literally like mid orbit, just completely dismantled into every rivet oh, and wow. screw and bolt. It's just like dismantled all at once. And everybody inside mm-hmm. dies. But it's <laughs> but it's very similar to like I need these parts. I want to use them for something. So it's just taking them at their smallest elements. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, but yeah, so it turns into this giant glowy thing and Lena's so captivated by it and she can't look away from it. And it eventually like pulls a drop of blood out of her skin. Like she doesn't have a cut. It's not like it comes yeah. from anywhere. It literally just like comes from, it's not even from her eye. It's just from like the bridge mm-hmm. of her nose, just like a drop of blood comes out and flies into it and then it starts to change and then it takes that cell and it starts yeah, dividing the cell and the cell divides over and over and over and it ends up making this yes it, it's all the, the visual we've seen so many times through yep. the movie and, yep. it, and it makes this humanoid looking thing out of like metal which uh lena's first response is you know shoot it so she does which has no effect um <laughs> which is cool but it well, no, oh, it has yeah, an effect. It does. All of the bullets pass through it and just become like these stems that yeah, stick out of it, which yeah, is Yeah, that's cool. true. That, that did look pretty <laughs> cool. But she's like, well, that didn't stop it. So she just runs and she runs back up the tunnel and gets back <laughs> to the lighthouse. And as soon as she comes out of there, that thing's standing there again. And then we get this this yeah. odd, it starts to mimic her. 
and it starts to mirror her. And yes. we see this happen a little bit, and she makes one attack at it with uh, the camera tripod. It's It hits her, and she goes down. And again, yeah. it tries to mirror her, right? Because as she's laying there, it lays down in the mirrored position next to her. Yeah. And then they both yeah. get up and they keep doing this thing, but then she makes a run for the door and it closes the door. And it's this weird thing where it's like, it's pressing against her. And I couldn't tell if it was trying to like crush her yeah. or what was going on. And she's fighting back, fighting back, fighting back. She's. Yeah. It's either, I mean, I, I feel like it can, it plays mm -hmm. both ways. Either she's between the door and this, equal and opposite reaction behind her and the more she pushes against it the more it's going to push yeah. towards her and so she learns to just relax and it relaxes and then they both collapse or she fights it until the point where she's gasping for air and she and she stops pressing because she loses consciousness and then they both fall back but <clears throat> it may be a learned conscious decision or it may just be an inevitable she could not breathe because every time she pushed against it, it pushed back as much. So she wasn't gaining any traction with it until she physically, and it wouldn't know the physical constraints of a right. body. It just knows it's like, like you said, it's just reacting to what we're mm -hmm. doing to the point so, where she ends but yeah, up. It, it, they both fall on the yeah. floor and they fall yeah. on the floor. They get back up and they're facing each other and it starts to, to change and form and starts to look like her. Hmm. But while it's mirroring her movements, she reaches into the pack and pulls out another phosphorus grenade and is holding it. Yeah. And so then the, the the entity is mirroring that and they're both holding it. Mirroring. And yeah. she's holding it close to yeah. herself. And she's holding it close to herself. And then she just pulls the pin and, and runs and lets the and the thing mm -hmm. doesn't really know how to react. Now, at this point, it looks exactly like her. It's made a copy of her, just like we saw a copy of Kane. Yeah, it's like comes into form as it's about to go yeah. blow up. Yeah. So she pulls the pin in the and you can see the horror and, and Natalie Portman knows what she's mm -hmm. doing, but as she's doing, it just keeps getting more intense and more worse. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, it just keeps going. So she yeah. pulls the pin on that and runs out and the thing, the phosphorus grenade erupts and starts this big chain reaction. And mm -hmm. we get this long drawn out scene of her. She, Lena runs away and then she's standing there watching as the lighthouse and the entity inside of it and everything burns. And then, yeah, that's it. And then we cut to, you know, her being like, well, that's what happened to Wong. Well, she turns around and you see those trees out on the beach start yeah. to light up. And you, so it implies that with the entity in the lighthouse, whatever, whatever gone, power source was it there, it's like cleared yeah. everything out. Yeah. Um, which that and I think that's that's that Wong's basically like yeah I mean we we found I don't did they find her in the lighthouse she didn't make her way back out I think they found they, her I think they found her but I know they he does say they sent a team to the lighthouse and all that was there was ash yes afterwards so something that for three years yeah. nobody has been able to get to and come back now he's like yeah we just went there it was ash and we came back mm -hmm. so effectively the shimmer and whatever was going yeah. on inside of it is all gone is what we're led to believe here now. It makes me wonder, it makes me wonder if el other elements, like, I mean, obviously, the the biological physics math of, oh, 
why are these glass trees on the beach? It's like, okay, well, sand mm -hmm. melts, makes glass, and it has the structure of trees in its knowledge base. So it's just trying to push out in this. Yeah, okay. So it, it's 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 trying to make a thing with what is in the space it's making it. So I like it makes sense that it's glass trees yeah. on the beach and it's other things. But it makes me wonder if like when they went to the if that team went to the lighthouse at the end, did they see any indication of any of this mutation or did all of it? Because the, like those trees were not just mute. They were mutated sand, but they were a whole yeah. other structure. But like the flowers Josie saw early on, would those just fall apart immediately or would they like? They don't really get into it because it's the end of the movie, but it's 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 things I'm thinking about now. Like, would they have seen any elements of it afterwards, or would it all have been? Returned and that's back one of the things I like about a good high concept sci-fi like this is it leaves you these questions that you can think about and explore, mm -hmm. but it doesn't have to answer any of them. Um, because we get right. we get basically yeah. Wong's character of you know asking her, okay, here you know what happened. Well, what did what did it want? And I love the response. Like, I don't think it wanted anything. It just made change. Like, yeah. And was it carbon yeah. based? I don't know. Like, I didn't yeah. have time to test it. I'm sorry. Um, it's like, I don't have any, and, and she's a biologist. So she's one of the most capable people to determine some yeah. of this stuff. So if she doesn't have answers, nobody's really going to find and them. So I'll tell you what this yeah. movie reminded me of. And I don't know if the book uh, goes remind you of this or not but there was heavy influence on this i have to believe from uh, lovecraft's the color out of space because it's a very similar story you mentioned uh the thing earlier and some of the imagery yeah and i got a lot more of color out of space for this entire movie image wise and sort of thematically with this yeah. idea of like something something yeah. from out there landed here and like so in this movie, the thing that lands here, it's not malicious. It's not doing this stuff as a, as a means right. to take over the world. It just, that's what it does. Whatever it is just changes yep. things without any desire for it, without any malicious intent, without any good intent, without any want, it just does. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because the character that Wong plays and some of the scientists want to figure out well why is it doing this and they don't have there is no answer of why it just does um and i think yeah. that's where yeah the character of josie raddick figures that out and the, which is why she is the one that has the least violent and or traumatic experience inside of there with the way things end for her she just becomes the plant she like embraces the fact that this thing is just a force of change Nothing we do is going to stop that. I don't want to fight whatever is happening. I'm just going to accept what is happening. Um, whereas, you know, every, yeah. others are fighting it and either meet a violent end or go through whatever the hell it was Lena went through with that alien <laughs> entity. Um, yeah. And Ventress effectively basically gave herself mm -hmm. to it because she consumed it and then it consumed her that was another like cool visual is basically like she screams this light up into the air and then you see her body slowly like not super cgi shrivel but like it effectively like it starts to like look like a puppet yeah. almost like just shrinking as like the base elements of her are just spewing out into the atmosphere it's it's a it's a um, movie that 
yeah but I, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a movie that you really have to experience and there is a little tack on at the end that i actually do want to let people like i don't even want to spoil it at all of because basically after after yeah. she talks to the lomax character wong's character and she asks what happened with her husband and yes and yep. the cane that we saw at the beginning of the movie he's in isolation he's in isolation <laughs> so am i um Oh, that's earlier. Yeah. But uh, we he he woke yes. back up effectively is what happened. So so she ends the movie going in to see him. Oh, as soon as the light yeah. was. Yes. She did save Kane. So that's something though that that <laughs> moment I want people to experience without even this hearing. <laughs> yeah. Um and so <clears throat> Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's basically it you could end the movie at a point or you could stick around for a little longer to get like a what if, but then or you could just like I got what I needed and move. Like it doesn't change no. the movie, but you could lean into it if you wanted to. But it does like, and it's not so much like a teaser for like the next one. It's just, yeah. yeah and this very much is a self-contained story. And I hope like, even though there were two more books in the trilogy, yeah. I don't, I want this to be what it is. I want this to exist as this movie. And we don't like, I would rather sit here yeah. and ask the questions that you and I have or, or talk with somebody else about it and find out the questions that they might have about it rather than somebody trying to then interpret and, and expand on this. I kind of, there are certain stories I just would rather get yeah. to stay as their one, their one thing. And I think because, because oh, yeah. Garland yeah. adapted the first book without knowing that it was going to continue on, I think also helps that. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, he he knew that there were two more books coming, but he didn't know what was mm-hmm. happening. It, it, it one of the things I read about in interviews earlier, um, there was because this came out in twenty eighteen, yeah. yep. I think, um, and that was when Weinstein, Me Too, representation, all of this stuff was really coming to a head in like the media and like across like you know nationally or whatever. Um, so there was some feet some blowback originally about Alex Garland whitewashing the main character of this because in the second book, which the second book is from Lomax's perspective Mm -hmm. primarily, he's not even an element of the first book. So it's just funny that Alex Garland makes this book and it's like, okay, I'm going to make this, I'm going to have Natalie Portman be this person and write this effective movie. And then later in book two, which I hadn't read when I wrote the movie, they mentioned that she has agent heritage. And now when the movie comes out, people are like, Oh, you whitewash. It's like, I literally wrote this before yeah. the book was out. Like I didn't even know. Was- <laughs> um, and then he created the Lomax character to like for narrative reasons. And it's like, Oh yeah. So book two, we actually <laughs> um, kind of like takes off from his story. So funny you did that. Like, <laughs> I don't know how much he worked with um, Vandermeer on that stuff. I'm sure he had some insight obviously beyond just sure. Work, but it, there were definitely like, it exists before the other two books and I, I like it on its own. It's, it's a singular yeah. thing. I don't need to see more of it. I think it would ruin I it. think so too. I think it would take something away for, it would be like, like I, I just recently this year saw Mulholland drive for the first time. And that movie blew me away. Mm. I don't want okay. any more. Yeah. I don't want Lynch to do anything <laughs> else with Mulholland drive. Like just leave it as it is because I got, I got, yeah. I get what I get out of that and I don't need more of it. There's certain things I just don't need more of, but right. in a good way. And that this is one of them. I think, I think Annihilation is fantastic. Absolutely worth seeing. Um, mm. And it's, it's also a testament to what you can do on a smaller budget. This is a $40 million movie. 
which is not a, a small budget by any stretch, yeah. but it's not a blockbuster and the visuals in it. It's not a Marvel movie. Right. <laughs> but yeah. visually it's so stunning. And it's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's art. Like I'm looking at. And cohesive. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of the stuff and I'm just thinking like, man, I just want like prints of some of these still frames that I could hang on a wall. Cause they do this great thing with the shimmer yeah. where when they're inside of it, yeah. that shimmer is all over the place in just very like small ways. Like the water has a little bit mm-hmm. of that shimmer. It almost looks like, like if you see like a little bit of uh, oil, get on some water, like natural oils and you get that, that mm-hmm. rainbowy shimmer. Yeah. The rainbow effect. Yeah. But they had like that on the water and that on plant life. And like, again, I got all those parallels to color out of space where like the color in that story slowly mm-hmm. is taking over this shimmer is slowly taking over. And I really, I really like that. And I think yeah, maybe part of it helps that like, I really like color out of space um, as a story. And yeah, so <laughs> it wasn't. Are you speaking specifically of the movie or the, the book itself? The story, <laughs> the story itself. itself but the, the, I really liked the movie. I thought that was a great yeah. adaptation. I thought the movie um, was good. And yeah. came out the same, same year as this. I feel like this was more effective at delivering those ideas than Color Out of Space might have been. I feel like Color Out of Space was very, it's very antagonistic, mm-hmm. us versus them in a sense, or at least that's where the characters are taking it from. Whereas this is more of a understanding, seeking understanding, yeah. not oh, yeah. like defense which, fighting. Which is great because it takes but, the same core concept, but looks at it from a different angle. Gives you a different perspective on it. Uh, yeah. Instead of it being, like you said, antagonistic, yeah. it's somebody just trying to explore it. And I really like that. So... I'm yeah. I'm so glad that I finally saw this movie for sure. Like this is going up there what? as one of those movies that yeah. like you said, you know, you can sit back and you can watch every so often. Um, I can see myself rewatching this a lot because while it does have those horror elements, I'd like cosmic horror and those kind of those horror elements that it's more introspective horror and it's looking, it's, it's, it's forcing yeah. you to look at things internally that these characters have to look at internally in themselves. And I like that. And so, and and that's, that's a thing that I think is healthy to do every so often. I don't think you should overdo, but it's like anything you want to do everything in moderation, but I think that it's good to revisit and, and do that every so often. This is a movie that brings that out. Yeah. And it doesn't just rely on what I've noticed. um, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, about this the other day, I've been noticing, I don't know if it's my awareness of it or if it's become more prominent in the last like five to six years, but it used to be there was like the text and then there was the subtext that kind of plays unspoken underneath it. And you would get more out of a scene if like there was effective subtext going on. Like you knew what was happening between these characters. So what they're saying does not actually translate to what they're Mm saying, what they're feeling, but you get that on the screen. Um, and I feel like recently, and I don't know if this is a symptom of like save the cat and all that other stuff, but I feel like so many stories, instead of just front loading exposition of here's why you need to care about this person, they just dump in, Oh, this is your cousin. This is your mother. This is your brother. They just, they just want you to uh, bring that relation in with you and then start going down the story. But if we all have different relationships with those connections, and those bonds with those people. So it's like, it's not a universality. Mm-hmm. You can't just, you need to develop the character and tell us why to care about them, not throw things on them that you think we will 
feel and have a capacity mm-hmm. to relate to. It, and I feel like rec- more recently, I've seen so many movies where it's like they're literally just giving exposition and like, but that's your brother. Don't you <laughs> care about him? Yes. But when I had cancer, he didn't this. And oh, but I have the cure for that. It's like, you're not, there's no character. It's literally just wheels of the yeah. machine keeping it moving, you know? And I feel like this, this is like, the characters are yeah. the wheels. Like they keep the, in, in, in a weird sense, the movie, I mean, it would be not, it would be different without the characters going in because obviously it would have just kept expanding, but it's like, all of these lives, no, nobody missed these people outside of the Shimmer. That's why they kind yeah. of went in. So it's like the world around doesn't really change. So now it's become this incident that took place and we have no answers. And it is what it, and it, it kind of puts you back into the life situation of like, okay, well, we overcame that. Yeah. What's the next thing. And we're not more prepared for the next thing. We just have to keep going. You know? Yeah. And so, that's a- um, I did want to say. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say just um, visually, I, I didn't know about this until recently. Um, so Alex Garland mentioned that one of his uh, influences, at least visually for this movie, is a movie called Stalker, which is an old Russian movie. And um, I don't remember the guy's name. I'm, I'm not going to look it up because my laptops, I'm going to be typing. Um, but it's, I saw it on Criterion Collection and I picked it up and I watched it. And it is a very, it's a similar a man is bringing two other men into the zone and there's a specific path you have to follow. Otherwise, like there are dangers and there are a lot of interesting visual things in it. It's worth watching to see, but I wouldn't have much expectation be like, if you liked the adaptation or if you liked Annihilation, you'll love Stalker. Cause like, there's not, there's much less in Stalker than Annihilation gives you it's, for answers. Or I character. just looked it up too. It's Andre Tarkovsky. So that makes sense. Tarkovsky, yes, yeah. It's one of his three Russian sci-fi's that I think he did. It, then Polaris mm-hmm. was the other one. It was another yeah. big one he did. Yeah. Um, but I think people had said like Stalker and Solaris were both like these are sci-fi, but like his style was asking a lot of questions and not really like moving forward with like he just brings you to a set and like shows you a thing and asks the question and moves to the next thing and which. <laughs> there were also issues with the production of that film, I guess. So, but anyway, it was an interesting movie. It's worth mm-hmm. checking out. I don't know that there's much repeat value in watching it, but it was worth seeing. Once Hard to say. Least. I mean, yeah. I, again, I like, I, I can respect a, especially a filmmaker that will make you ask questions and then not answer them. So like you ask somebody, I just recently on uh, the last driving with Joe Bob this past season, they had, um, they mm-hmm. had that animated uh, film with, um, oh, what's his name? Shoot. Uh, not Tippet. Tippet? Whoever he had done. Anyway. Oh, the yeah. Mad God? And and Joe Bob like straight up asks him, yeah. what's this movie about? And his answer was, that's about 85 minutes. And I just <laughs> loved that because he's like, yeah. I'm not going to tell you because I don't even know. And like Lynch does that a lot. And again, and, and Tarkovsky was, yeah. was one too that I've, I've heard about would do stuff like that. And, and I can respect that because there's an art, there's an art to it when it's done. Well, it can be done really poorly or yeah. really like ham fisted. But when, yeah. when I experience that and it gets pulled off like annihilation does, I just love it. I love that whole, you know, it's kind of set you in a direction and then you you sort of 
you get to pick the breadcrumbs and you get to figure it out and it, and it becomes a very uh individual yeah. experience yeah so yeah and i mean in in a sense like life mm-hmm. like after a person dies you can go over their remain not remain but you can go over what they left behind talk to the people that knew them and like try to piece together an understanding of who this person was and the life but you're never going to fully know what their experience was like and so like we don't fully know anything about the other four members of the team we don't even know much more about kane um she mentions when she's talking to ventress before they go in when she says that she wants to go she said like i owe him and i'm like okay is that because they were both soldiers and maybe he saved her life at one point before she left the military to become a professor? Or is it because of the affair situation? Or like, so it's like, uh, or is it because the only possible way to cure him is to find out what caused Mm -hmm. this, which is a very literal direct book, but it's just, it's one of those things where it's like the simple way that a thing is said can have like 18 different meanings and like vectors coming at it that color it a certain way. And the more information you do or don't have determines like how you read it kind of. So it, it's very open to interpretation, but there's a lot of stuff that very much suggests directions. So yeah. Absolutely. This is 100% a movie worth seeing. Um, Thank you for bringing it to me finally and and making me watch it. Like (laughs) I appreciate that because I had such a good time watching this and talking about it. Um, it's, it it blew my mind in a lot of ways. Yeah. Glad Um, to hear. Yeah. So it was definitely, it's one of these things where it's become, I'll watch a movie and I'll be like, let me pull up Travis's (laughs) podcast. Like, "Mm, Oh, they haven't covered it yet. Okay. Hey, yeah, no, I'm all about that. Like, I love that kind of stuff. Cause I like, I like finding something new. Um, and that's, that's why I love doing this show because it goes both ways. I like showing somebody something for the first time. And I like experiencing something for that first time and, and then discussing it and, and yeah. figuring out like, well, why did it work? Why didn't it work? What, what was the thing that you latched onto or what did, you know, not meet expectations or fall, fall flat. So it's very cool that way. Uh, and this definitely yeah. is one that, um, yeah. uh, absolutely worth a watch and I will be watching it again. So I can tell you that much. Um, yeah. Yeah. I also, I don't think they marketed it as a horror movie, which is good. Cause I don't think it like, if this had been an a 24 movie, I feel like they would have leaned into the horror element Probably. more for the marketing. But I mean, it's paramount and skyfall. So it's like, or sky dance, not Skyfall. <laughs> the James Bond is kicking in. Um, but uh, yeah, it, I think it was just advertised as just like a mm-hmm. science fiction movie. And obviously they don't put, the big scares on the screen for the trailer, but yeah, I don't really remember. I, of course I had heard about the book before it. So it was kind of like I had already pre-advanced purchased my ticket before they existed. Cause I knew I was going to see it regardless, sure. but um, I didn't need to see an ad campaign, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's good. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's uh, one of my, I, I had a relative that years ago I told him that I was like, in a really, really bad mood. So I watched Requiem for a Dream <laughs> to cheer me up. And they thought I was joking. And I was like, no, there is something kind of cathartic about when you put yourself through that type of a emotional experience, mm-hmm. you kind of get like a sigh of relief afterwards. Like, okay, I can kind of handle like what I'm dealing with. Yeah. Like, you know? And this is that kind of movie that it doesn't give me the 
contrasting perspective, but it just, it feels like I'm, I guess it's ironic. I feel like I'm back to myself after I've watched it, but the movie suggests that you become something else after, but yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's one of those things like when I'm feeling really, eh, this is a good, like wipe the slate clean kind of, okay. It, it's <laughs> challenging. It. it challenges you to look at it and, and take it in. And then from yeah. there you can sort of, um, you're, you're always changing and evolving. And this sort of lets that come into focus mm-hmm. is like, that's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with not being the same person you were 10 years ago oh, yeah. uh, or six months ago, even. Um, right. And, and allowing you to sort of come back into balance from that. So I kind of like it. It's sort of, I'll, I'll tell people a lot that like, if I'm, if I'm getting really stressed out or I'm getting upset about something, I'll throw on some like hardcore metal and it'll calm me down. And it's the same, yeah. same idea. Yeah. Like channel it almost. Yeah. And yeah. You can put it into something. So, yeah. Well, I feel like, I feel like that's the thing. It's like, if there was an old Animaniacs, obviously Animaniacs is from the nineties, but there was an, there was an episode where Dot was just trying to find some quiet and she keeps going and going and going from place to place to place. It's like, no, there's a cricket. Oh, there's <laughs> something. There's a wind blowing the grass. She finally gets to like a void. And then she's like, it's too quiet. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's that's the thing. It's like you think you know what you want, but sometimes it's like better to just like, okay, let me let me really embrace the noise so then I can appreciate the actual quiet that I'm hearing that I've just gotten yep. used to. Yeah. You need to just run the gears and shift things around a bit and then. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for being back. It's been, it's been a little too long since we had you on. So it was good to get you back on here and, uh, we'll definitely do it again. Um, yeah, it's been good, but yeah, yeah. it's always a good conversation. Uh, and so we'll definitely do this again. Now, if you like the conversation, you want to catch it live, uh, including whatever technical difficulties may or may not arise, you can do that. Sunday nights, 8 PM Eastern time at twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. You can catch the live show. Uh, if live isn't for you or that time doesn't work, comes out as a podcast uh, on Wednesdays, anywhere you get your podcasts, uh, including YouTube um, at uh, youtube.com slash at TV's Travis or search for weight you haven't seen on any podcatcher or easy way to do it. Go right to tvstravis.com and there's links for all your different uh, podcast sources. There's a searchable list of episodes there. Um, all that fun stuff uh, you can catch right there at uh, tvstravis.com. Um, next week, uh, I will have uh, a fun one coming up, but it's going to be a surprise. So you're going to have to wait and find out what that is. Um, but we're getting closer and closer. You know, yeah. you tell me. Nobody knows yet, um, <laughs> including me. But we're getting closer to October and uh, the Gore podcast crossover for the month. Um, I am part of a podcast called Gore, where we do all horror movies all the time. And for the month of October, I'm going to bring in my three co-hosts from that. And we're going to talk uh, some fun stuff. Mm. Um, we've got some some great great things lined up this year, uh, as always. So definitely stay tuned for that as we're hitting into the fall season. And uh, I can't wait. And and hopefully uh, this is the last week of like super hot weather, um, and it can cool down again. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and also at TV'sTravis.com there is links to merchandise if you want to get uh, the logo that I have on some on some stuff. That's always fun. Uh, there's also a Patreon for this show, uh, patreon.com forward slash WYHS. You can support the show for as little as a dollar an episode. 
Um, and you get ex- you get uh, early access to the shows. You get early access to any video content that I might be putting out. And also a monthly uh, movie night with me and other patrons. Uh, we call it the movie catch-up night, where we go through the back catalog of episodes of this show, find something that uh, patrons haven't seen, maybe, um, for whatever reason, and watch it. Because uh, I've done two... Now, 232 episodes of this show. It's a lot of movies. Uh, I don't expect everyone to have seen every single one of them. Yeah. So that's just a few of the things you can get from Patreon. Yeah. But um, definitely check that out. And if uh, if you can't do Patreon for whatever reason, that's fine. Just being here listening to it uh, or listening to it on uh, YouTube, wherever, um, is, is wonderful. I'm also on all the social medias. <coughs> Sorry. I'm also on all the social medias as TV's Travis. Uh, so you can find me there. Uh, including this Twitch channel where I do the show and I play some games and stuff like that as well. So definitely check all that out. But Josh, thank you so much for being here this week. This has been super fun. And uh, we're, we got to figure out when we can do it again. Yeah, man. Yeah. Good chat. Yeah. Well, I was, I had a, I had a movie idea for an October, but then you mentioned that your October is pretty much full. So I was like, okay, maybe we can, I'll, I'll, I'll chat with you later, but I was like, okay, we can do that later. If you sure. Seen it. No, but, totally. Uh, um, yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I, I'm not confirming anything, but there's a six month long creative project that starts literally tomorrow that I've signed up for, but I have yet to decide what I'm doing <laughs> with it. So um, I'll let you know. I might be doing more annihilation stuff this week, but uh, I'll, I'll let you definitely know. do. And I will uh, I will let the all the listening audience know uh, any of that as it as it unfolds. So once again, thank you so much. Uh, we'll get you back sometime soon. And remember, yeah, man. Thanks for yeah, everybody me. out there, enjoy your movies. Uh, ask questions. Don't expect answers. It's been wait you haven't seen. of the dividing pair. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. (laughs)